Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome uh, to Community of Hope from wherever you are. We're delighted to have you guys with us. And maybe as you've already heard, take a moment, grab your app, grab your Bible, grab your notes. Uh, We are in week two in an important series uh, in our church right now. We're calling this series Five Things. And we're having an honest conversation about the five things that really grow our faith. So here's what we're thinking across all party lines, across all denominational lines, all historical lines, whenever it is that we talk to people who, you know, uh, are willing to tell us what it is that has grown their faith. Uh, these are the universal five things that we typically hear about that we are typically in conversation about. And so that's what we're doing right now. So if you're with us last week, uh, Pastor Trevor kick-started the series with a helpful message about what faith actually is, because if we're going to grow in our faith, here's what we're thinking. It's a good idea to have a great working definition of about what faith is. So many of us know there's lots of ideas about faith out there, and so that was a great talk last weekend to help kind of clarify, if you will, some of our misunderstandings about, about faith and point us to a clear definition. So if you missed out on that message, here's what I want to do. I want to get us all in on the same page, and uh, here's what I I want to suggest to you as the working definition of faith for this series. We're saying simply this, faith is trusting God. That's what it is. If we we're to boil it all down, this is what faith is. It's trusting God. And comparatively, I want to say this. So if we're going to grow in our faith, here's what actually is uh, we're talking about. If we want to grow in our faith, we're growing literally in our trust of God, of who he is, what is, you know, character uh, embodies and who he is as a heavenly father. And so this is kind of what we're talking about right now. I know someone who puts it this way. And when I read this, I thought, man, this is a great idea. And I want to, I want to share it with you. I know someone who says it like this. So what if God really existed? Now God does exist is what we believe, but I know there's some skeptics probably listening in. So you're not sure. And we welcome you here, but, but here, go with me for just a moment. What if God really existed? And what if you had perfect faith in him? Okay. So what if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? What if you were confident that everything that happened in your life was either part of his plan, or if you looked at the difficult places or the broken places, you were absolutely confident that what God says in his word about even in those places, he is going to redeem what was broken or restore what was lost. What if you were absolutely confident uh, about that and you lived with this total confidence in every area of your life? Here's what I believe. It would change your reactions to literally everything. You'd begin to look at this pandemic a little bit differently. You would, you would look at the hardship maybe you're experiencing in work. You would look at a medical diagnosis differently. You would look at uh, a relational problem, maybe a, uh, an, a, an unemployment situation. All of that would change. Why? Because you had such high trust in the living God. And so this is the kind of idea that we're tapping at right now uh, in this series. And the point here that I'm trying to make is if you trace it all back, 
what you come to understand is that humanity's problems really begin when we fail to put our trust in God. And, and this, is, this is really, in many ways, I think of it even this way. This is a potential definition of what Christianity is all about. This is a definition of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a Christ follower, to invite uh, God uh, into your life. Uh, because Christianity is an opportunity, and maybe you want to write this down, it is an opportunity either to trust God for the first time or to learn how to trust God again. And I have to tell you, one of the reasons I simply love our church is, is that, is because we got that going on literally everywhere. In every circle, we got, we got people who have never, uh, known God, who've never knew any single thing about God, navigating a relationship with Him, growing in their trust, growing in their faith. We have people who, you know, ran into bad experiences about church, ran into bad experiences about religion, ran into uh, misinformation about God that turned them off and tuned them out years ago. We got people who are setting that stuff aside and learning and, and beginning to trust in God again. And here's the thing, their faith is growing. And this is the kind of idea that we're talking about right now in this series and why I believe it is so important. And this is, um, you know, what I want to talk about. And this weekend, I want to tell you why this is happening in our church. And in fact, I want to, I want to explain to you how I believe it can even happen for you. And so if you're listening, if you're tuning in right now and, uh, you've never had a walk with God, this is totally brand new. Welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're here this morning and listening in across this weekend and, and, or you're podcasting this message later and you're saying to yourself, you know, man, I've heard a lot of misinformation about God and you're willing to sort of suspend that, uh, for a moment and open your hands, open your heart and, 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 and investigate how to trust God and how to move in that again. I think God can show up really in a powerful way. And that's what we're talking about in this series. So I want to invite everybody in. What I want to do, uh, in this series, my hope is that really this, you will give me the opportunity, give some of our communicators the opportunity to talk to you about these five things that across time and across generations have been the seminal significant things that have helped people more than any other thing move in their trust with God, grow in their trust, grow in their faith uh, in the living God. And so that's what we're going to do in this series. I hope you'll give it a listen. And uh, what I want to do is I want to pray for us, and I want to give you the first one. All right, let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful for this space. God, I'm so thankful uh, that we can, wherever we are, you know, we're listening at home with loved ones. We're we're, uh, you know, outside of a coffee shop because we can't sit inside of a coffee shop. We're driving in our car. We're listening, whatever, God, that, that we can use this as an opportunity, really, uh, with full sincerity of heart to grow in our faith. Uh, God, I pray that for every person listening to my voice, that you would give us the capacity, give us the courage to suspend anything else in this moment, but to hold most important in this space that we would all come into this moment as learners to experience what it is that you would say to us about how we may know you. And so God, by the power of your spirit, do only what you can do in this space, for we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. All right, so you ready for me to give you the first one of the five? Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write it down. It is reveal practical teaching. Practical teaching. God uses practical applicational teaching from his word to help us understand who he is, how we can live, and how we can grow in our trust of him. Let me say that again. God uses practical applicational teaching from his word to help us understand who he is, how we can live, and how we can grow in our trust of him. And to show you where I get this and to show you what I mean by this, I want to take you to a passage of scripture in Matthew uh, chapter 7, which happens at the end of Jesus' very first public sermon. And uh, we think of it uh, and hear of it, sometimes it's called the Sermon on the Mount, sometimes it's called uh, the Beatitudes, and uh, this is Jesus' very first public sermon. It got a lot of attention. In fact, uh, it's still getting a lot of attention. Uh, some of you know I've, I've talked about my first public sermon. It didn't get a lot of attention, and, and I still think every now and again I run into people who were there for that first sermon, I take them offline, ask them to forgive me and, and, and tell them, you know, really whatever it was I said, forget it, move on, you know, this kind of a thing. And if you're on our East campus or you're a seasoned vet on our East campus, you'll enjoy this because my first uh, public sermon actually happened in the chapel building over on our East campus. So it's such a humbling uh, thing now to be lead pastor of that campus over there. But um, I, I gave it uh, in that chapel building, I gave it on a Sunday night. I'll never forget this. And uh, the senior pastor of the church at the time, Frank Edwards, had asked me to to, to offer a sermon at, at the Sunday evening service. And I, you know, I was a college pastor there at the time, and I went and worked on the sermon really hard. And I, I, I got up there. Comes that moment, the worship's over. I stepped to the pulpit to offer this sermon. It took me about seven or eight minutes, and I came and sat down. I threw everything I had out at everybody that was there. I was sweating profusely. In eight minutes, it was over. I came back and sat down, and Pastor Frank looked at me, and he goes, that's all you got? And I said, that's all I got. And I'll never forget this. He had a good sense of humor. He kind of looked at his watch, and he looked out at over, over the crowd, and he said, he said you, why don't you go out there and do it again? And, and I looked out at the crowd, and I could just tell Nobody really wanted to hear it again. And I, I said, I, I, I don't want to do it. That was, that was my first public sermon. I remember years ago in my first public sermon, really in ordained ministry, uh, happened at a church in Stewart. And, and some of you remember, I've, I've shared parts of this story before. You go into First Stewart at the time, and it was this tremendous kind of like cathedral sort of look to the room. And you walked in there, and there was this huge granite pulpit that was off to the right uh, as you faced out from the stage. And, and there were three steps to get into the pulpit, and, and you would look down on all your victims, I mean, all the people that were there. And, and I'll never forget, you know, and I had to wear vestments and robes and stoles and there were acolytes and all this moment. I'll never forget there was this, you know, moment where I'm going to preach my first sermon. I, I got up into the pulpit and every single thing about the atmosphere dripped with professorial knowledge. It was like, I am now going to wow everybody with what I know. And I got up there. It's like, I think I, I preached for about 12, 15 minutes and 
And, and I tried to really live into the moment. It looked so sterile. It looked so professorial. It looked so elegant. I tried to do this. And I remember I kept doing this weird thing with my hands. And at one point, I looked out into the, the congregation, and my parents were there. My, my dad was looking at me with this perplexed look on his face. Now, I'll never forget that after the sermon was over, we went out to lunch somewhere, and, and my dad, who was such a great guy, but such an honest guy, just got right to it. And he just said, so, you know, hey, that was, that was, that was pretty good. There were parts of it I understood. He said, what were you doing with your hand? I'll never forget this. I, I didn't, I, I said, I don't know. What was I doing with my hand? He said, you kept touching your hand like you were this professor giving us this knowledge. And my dad looked right at me at lunch and he said, don't do that anymore. You look stupid when you do that. And I remember, gosh, like that was my first public sermon, you know, as, as an ordained minister. And, 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 but here's the thing I want to tell you. Jesus offers his first public sermon and people are still talking about it. And in Jesus' first public sermon, what he actually did was he established really a new system of values for every single person that would follow God. And when you, when you look at Jesus' public ser- first public sermon, he would say something, he would say stuff like this. He would say, hey, if someone asks you to walk a mile, walk two miles. If someone uh, wrongs you, you should turn the other cheek. He would say stuff like this. Um, your money, give it away. Give as much as you can. Uh, God will take care of you. He would say things like this. Treat every single human being the way you want to be treated. He said, uh, go after people you've wronged and make it right. He said uh, this one. Lust, it's like adultery. And so what we do with our mind matters. Take your thoughts captive. I mean, probably some of wish he'd left that one out. I mean, here's, here's the thing. When, if, if you look at this really carefully, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is a powerful thing. And it gets a lot of attention. Now, here's what I want to tell you. This is where we're going to begin to divide the waters around what it is that I want you to get from this talk. Uh, a lot of times, it, it gets a lot of attention. It still gets a lot, a lot of attention. But sometimes, the Sermon on the Mount, honestly, it gets the wrong wrong kind of attention. And and I've I've noticed sometimes when people talk about the Sermon on the Mount, they talk about its beauty and its symmetry, and that it's uh, they talk about its valued place among the most historical pieces of literature ever composed. But here's what I want you to know: that isn't why Jesus preached it, because embedded into this sermon is a little phrase that I want to I want to get us to that I think really gives us the key about what it is I want us to understand in this moment. I, I remember, again, one other, one other story. I, I was early in my pastoral ministry, and I was trying to get the rhythm as, as a communicator. And I was serving in a little church at this point, and, 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 which meant I preached every week. And let me just tell anyone who cares to know this. When you're preaching every week, it happens every week. And, and the preparation happens every week. The delivery happens every week, and people are coming expecting you to have something to say every week. And I'm telling you, it takes a moment to get that discipline and that rhythm uh, into, your, into your heart. 
And I'll never forget going to a conference where I was hoping to learn a little bit more about it. I went with some older uh, ministers who were way down the road further than me. And, and we went and we listened to this guy who was at the time, you know, uh, one of the great biblical, this is what I heard, one of the great biblical orators of, of the time. And, and this guy talked for like 45, 50 minutes. And when, when he got through, I wanted to tell you something about your pastor. I had no idea what he said. No idea. And I got in the car with these seasoned pastors and we were driving back and I was going to go back to my church. They were going to go back to their church. And I just listened to these guys rattle on about how incredible it was, how profound it was. And I was sitting in the back row and with every mile that ticked off the odometer, I was getting more and more depressed. I was starting to feel like, man, I don't, I don't even know if I'm called to ministry because I, I was listening to that guy. I, I didn't even know what he was saying. I didn't know what he meant. And I came home and I came home and I wrote something down on an, on a, on a sticky note. And I went into my office and I put it on the back of the door where, uh, where I prepare sermons. And I had it in that house. And when we moved here to West Palm Beach to plant and start Community of Hope, I took those same sticky notes, put them on the back of the door in the study where I now prepare messages. And, and back then in the time when I was praying about all this and trying to figure, figure out, I, I just felt like God was saying to me, you know what? Don't worry about being profound. Don't worry about being an orator. Don't worry about everybody coming and being so mesmerized by what you're saying. I felt like God was saying to me, just teach the Bible in a way that people can understand it. Because I felt like Jesus was saying in the spirit, that's what I did. I taught God's truth in a way that people could understand it. And so I, I want to show you a picture. And on, on the back of the thing, this is what I put. I, I, I wrote a sticky note and I wrote, yes, but how? And so when I'm sitting at my desk and now at my computer, and even to this day when I'm preparing messages, uh, my goal is not that you're going to get through listening to what I'm saying and you're going you're gonna to go, that was great. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I agree. That's not my goal. My goal is that you're going to agree and you're going to be uh, inspired and, and, and instilled with courage to go out and do what it is we're talking about. I, I wrote another phrase. I want to show you again, if we can go back to the picture. I wrote, uh, I look at the other one at the bottom. It simply says this. If you can read my handwriting, which is bad, it says, who cares? I don't want to stand up here and talk about stuff and, you know, really have you think, my gosh, this dude is the smartest guy in the room. I mean, he's saying stuff. He's telling me stuff about original language. We're talking about history. We're talking about the, that's not my goal. And so I keep that in front of me a lot of times. You show that picture, it just says, who cares? I don't want to preach in a way that, that, you know, doesn't matter. You could click it off and, and do not matter. Now, I will say, if you show the picture again, it says no regrets. That, that actually has to do with my, um, with my workout routine, and I'm still kind of working on that one. So that, that didn't have to do a sermon. But, but here's, here's the interesting thing, and this is what I want to put point to. There is a little phrase at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, and I want to see if you catch it. Here's the phrase. The phrase, let me read the whole verse. The verse is this. Therefore, Jesus says, after he does this incredible teaching that challenges everybody on the mountainside, he says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, watch it, here it comes, and puts them into practice. 
is like a wise man, and we would even say a wise woman who has built their house on a rock. There's the phrase. Puts them into practice. And so the goal of a moment like this, for everybody who's listening, whether you've been walking with God 130 years, whether this is the first, you tripped up, you were looking on something on YouTube, and boom, you just suddenly ended up in the living room of Community of Hope. This is all brand new. Here's the goal. That, that we're going we're gonna to have applicational teaching. We're going we're gonna to look at God's word. We're going to pull truths out of God's word, and we're going to apply those truths to our life. See the promise? Everyone who does that exercise is going to build their life on a firm foundation. You know, I think about it uh, this way. I think Pastor Trevor was talking about this. You know, knowledge is great, but knowledge alone can make us arrogant. I mean, I even want to say this. I think obedience is great, but if if it's just obedience for obedience sake, here's what I find with people who do that. They get judgmental among other people because you're better at some things than I am. I'm better at some things than you are, and we get into this weird thing. That's, that's not really the idea. This is a thing that's going on between you and God, taking the truth you understanding, starting with what is known, starting with what is clear, moving out to the edges of what is unclear, and unknown, this is the value, and this happens most powerfully through practical teaching. So whenever we're doing this at Community of Hope, our goal isn't to impress you in the moment. It's not to make friends. It's not to keep you laughing. It's to show you God's word in a plain applicational way and whet wet your appetite to go and do it. I was thinking about this, and I've been very uh, reflective this week for some reason, and, and I share these illustrations about our East Campus, and, and, and I remember a moment, it was in 1978, uh, when I had just, on the other side of our state, just when we lived in Braden, I had just made a commitment to Christ, and that was a miracle in and of itself, and I'll tell you why. Because we, we had always, I grew up always going to church, so this was kind of what my, my family did. But, but unfortunately, and I'll say this with judgment, but I do say it with honesty, we, we went to churches that did not hold in a high value applicational truth, practical teaching. And a lot of times I would listen to the communicator and I would leave as a young man, as a teenager, I would have no earthly idea what the person was saying or what they were asking me to do. It was like this, this experience. We'd come in, this knowledge was blown out all over the room. We got it all over us. We walked out. We had no idea how to apply it, no idea to do anything with it. And that was the deal. But I had a friend of mine who was sometimes my troublemaking friend, and we would get in trouble together. And he fell in love with Jesus and had a radical encounter with the living Christ. And I watched Mark's life begin to transform. And then my older brother had this radical experience with Jesus Christ. And I watched his life begin to transform. And I, I began to watch them go to places where they could receive practical teaching and apply it. And then right in that experience, my, my dad took a different position in his career. And we moved over to Palm Beach County. We went church shopping. And we ended up at what is now our East Campus. And I'll never forget going in there. And the very first time I went in there 
And the pastor got up to preach a sermon. Here's what I want everybody to know. I understood what he was talking about. It made sense to me. And not only did it make sense to me, it inspired me to give it a try. And so I did. And here's what I want everybody to know. listening in. My faith grew. My trust bumped up just a little. And so you know what I did? I did what you think I would do. I came back for more. And I came in the room, and he crawled back up in that pulpit again, and he spoke, and here's what I want to tell you. (laughs) I understood what he's talking about. I understood what he was asking us to consider and to do. And I went out crazy enough, right, teenager. I did it. And my faith grew. And then I went another Sunday. There was another communicator there, and he ended up becoming a very good friend of mine, and he crawled up in the pulpit. And he said some things, and I understood. And I put it into practice. And my faith grew. And this is what I'm talking about in this moment. So really, when we come together in this space, I I just want to say this. This is not really a moment where we just have a quiet, reflective kind of experience you know, and we light a candle. No, no offense for those who light candles. And we sing a few songs. We sing songs, so no offense there. You know, we just have this experience. Really, it, it's an opportunity for you through the voice of, of a very, you know, broken, normal human being, like you're a broken, normal human being, where God, by the power of his spirit, will tell us applicational, practical truth and where to leave here and go do it. And when we do it, our faith grows. And here's what I want everybody to understand. This may be the seminal way, the first position way, that God grows your trust in who he is. In fact, you go all the way back to the book of Acts. You go to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. We built our partnership class at Community of Hope. We invite everybody who wants to become a partner to take this class. We do some filming of that this week. We have built the whole class around those five verses, which are the, which are the picture, the, you know, the snapshot picture of the early church. You know what the first thing they talk about? They dev- the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's their number one. There's something about practical, applicational truth that transforms the human experience. It's done it all through history. Uh, it, it, it did it in my life starting 42 years ago. Yikes. And it's still doing it in this church every single day. Recently, um, I got sent a video of a baptism we did recently in our church that we're doing. So the church, you know, we're closed in person worship. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. Pray for us. Uh, but baptisms are going on, this sort of stuff. All the ministry of the church is going on in these new formats. And, and Pastor Trevor uh, did a baptism, performed a baptism, officiated a baptism, I should say, at a wonderful young woman in our church who's uh, connecting in our church, Deja Bethel. And I want to show you her video of her 
baptism. And I want you to listen carefully to what she says. Take a look. Hey, Community of Hope, Pastor Trevor here. We're here to celebrate another baptism with you today, and we're so thrilled about this. And Deja here is going to share her story and her testimony of what God is doing in her life, and we're going to celebrate her baptism here. So Deja, why don't you share with us your story? Thank you. Before I gave my life to Christ, my life was stagnant. I felt like I was lost, broken, and confused. My life was all about me and not about anybody else. today and to mark this moment of what Jesus is doing in your life and what baptism resembles is where our old self and our brokenness and our sin goes into the water. It's a sign of it dying with Christ. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, when we come up out of the water, it's a sign that he's making all things new in us and he's doing that in you. He is. So it's great. So I'm going to ask you the historic questions that every follower of Jesus ever has answered before they've been baptized. So Deja, do you love Jesus? Yes. Have you asked him into your heart? Yes. To be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Have you asked him to forgive your sins? Yes. And will you follow him all the days of your life? Yes, absolutely. Atta girl. All right, why don't you hand me your testimony here and your glasses? 
Very good. So your dad is going to here help baptize you so we can be socially distanced and mark all that stuff. So uh, Deja, why don't you tell me your full name? Deja Anjane Bethel. So Deja Anjane Bethel. Okay, dad, go ahead. Deja Anjane Bethel. We baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. God bless you, community of hope. Oh, my gosh, that is so powerful. Deja, we love you. That is so, so powerful. I, what I love about that video, a couple things. Um, certainly, did you hear it? Did you hear what she was saying? I, I'm listening to applicational truth. I'm reading God's word, and I'm learning with greater clarity what it is I'm supposed to do. There it is. Man, that was so powerful. I love that video. I also love that you notice Trevor's hands off on the side. He was like, come on, let's baptize her. I mean, I thought that was so powerful. Here's the thing I want to say to you just as a real quick moment, though, that you understand. This does not, uh, you know, qualify you as a Christian. Your, your works are not what saves you. Okay, so when we're talking about stuff that we're doing, we're not talking about that so we can earn God's favor. That's not the idea we're talking about. We're talking about this, applicational, practical teaching. It's not enough to have knowledge. The knowledge is to move us toward the actions surrounding what it is that truth is asking us to embrace. So this is the deal. Now, before I close, I want to say one more thing. So there's a powerful promise here in that for those who do this. There's also a powerful challenge for those who don't. And some of us run into that. In fact, Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 7, and he says this, you know, for those who don't do this, he said, there'll come this moment where he says in verse 25, the rains come down, the streams rise, the winds blow and beat against the house. Yet it didn't fall because its foundation was on the rock. But then he says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice they're like a foolish person who built his house on sand. And at that moment, the rains come down, the streams rise, the winds blow and beat against the house, and it falls with a great crash. And some of us know what it is to experience that. Let's all of us make a commitment, a renewed commitment, or, or a commitment for the first time ever, to, to become people of God's word to find a space where we can hear teaching that is applicational, that we can pull out the truths, and that we leave in a, a moment like this when you're about to click the screen off and you can go and apply that to your life. That is how we grow our faith. Next week, I'm going to give you another one. I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. And I want to say this right now in closing. If you're for the first time, you know, giving your life to Christ, you're wondering what it is about your next step, we hope that you will text the word next to the number on the screen. This would be a great way for us to help you understand the appropriate next step for you in your faith journey. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for all of uh, the folks and all of our partners, all of our guests who are listening to this service. God, would you, by the power of your spirit, again, give us uh, wisdom, give us courage, give us inspiration to not just be listeners of your word like James writes in the book that bears his name, but doers of your word so that our faith may grow. 
This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Go in his grace. We'll see you next week.